and welcome to the latest Colliers podcast. This week, Andrew Hallisey talks to Neil Jones, the Director of Property Services at Bupa, about managing through the COVID-19 pandemic and the complexities of home working on such a massive scale. Over to Andrew and Neil. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome and introduce Neil Jones, uh, Director of Property, Corporate and Shared Services, Finance and Commercial, for Bupa Global and the UK, who joins us this morning from Leeds. Morning, Andrew. How are you? Good, good. Um, good. Neil, big thanks uh, for making the time this morning to uh, share your experiences from an incredible 26-year career journey at Bupa, uh, and most recently, some of your your personal experiences uh, leading through one of the largest global public health crises of, uh, of of a generation. So really, really appreciated. Maybe just to kick off this morning, Neil, we'll talk a little bit about Bupa. So uh, Bupa is obviously a household name uh, for those of us in the UK uh, and increasingly around the world um, as you grow beyond the 80,000 employees that you, you currently have. I guess a lot of people know Bupa for your, your health insurance business, but uh, the business today is is very broad and deep and goes well beyond health insurance. Can you give us a sense of the depth and breadth of the Bupa global business operations today? Yeah, for, for those who don't know, so Bupa stands for British United Provident Association. Um, we were formed in 1947, believe it or not, when 17 Provident Associations joined and uh, together they formed Bupa. Um, as you say, since we have grown, we have uh, uh, we employ over 83,000 people globally. Um, currently, we have around 17.5 million health insurance customers uh, and we provide healthcare to around 15.8 million people in our clinics, hospitals and dental centres. And we also look after around 22,000 aged care residents in our care homes and villages. Going back even as far as the 1990s, Bupa covered 170 countries then and settled claims in 84 currencies. So even going back that long uh, since I've been with the business, they've continued to grow. Um, we now operate uh, all those different types of healthcare provisions, as you say, hospitals, clinics, care homes, dental, uh, optical in UK, Australia, New Zealand, Spain, Chile, Poland, Hong Kong, Turkey, Brazil, the US, Middle East and Ireland. And we've got uh, a number of associates businesses in Saudi Arabia and India. So our breadth uh, has continued to grow. 26 years ago, when you were trying to decide uh, wh what the right opportunity was for you and you, you came across Bupa, what was it that attracted you to the organization back then? I was just a young man. <laughs> so uh, I, I'd just come out of the forces. Uh, I, as part of that, I'd completed uh, a degree in engineering. I looked around the industry at the time and seen that Bupa uh, had a huge amount of construction going on at the time uh, across the UK predominantly. Um, so uh, went for an interview, got the role um, over that period. So, so you're talking 90s, um, we acquired uh, over 200 uh, care homes. We continued to construct approximately 10 care homes per year. Um, there was acquisitions going uh, on abroad uh, and continued growth in, in Spain. Uh, in other businesses across Australia. It was just, it was an exciting company. Uh, there was just growth globally. And I suppose, as you say, we're a household name. So for a, for a, a young person coming into an industry, you, you never really saw 
I suppose, the global breadth of a business until you actually got into that business. And and, and Bupa just seemed to, to be consistently growing. And they had they had a very kind of direct approach to, you know, this is who we are. This is what we do. Uh, this is what we're going to continue to do. This is our vision. And and they when they say they're going to do something, they continue to do it. Over the 26 years, you've gotten to see pretty much every element of the operations of the business, particularly from a from a property and, and shared services perspective. Give us just a sense of what that journey has been for for you personally over the over the 26 years. It's been pretty phenomenal, really. I mean, when I first started the business, it was predominantly uh, in the aged care sector, but but that wasn't just um, within the UK. So aged care, we have um, a number of aged care, both in our Spanish business. We have aged care in uh, Australia. We have aged care in New Zealand. Um, so, you know, we, we aged care at one time within the business was managed across the globe. So we were involved in, with our Spanish partners and our partners in Australasia. So just, just the collective ongoing meetings, ongoing designs, ongoing kind of experiences working with overseas partners, overseas colleagues. Something that was quite unusual in the 90s to have that kind of breadth. And I suppose it was that collaboration that we had in the 90s, which probably kind of you still experience today, where we were still and continue to, to, to look for innovation, improvements, how we can best our, you know, best our previous designs, how we can work to make sure that our customers get a first class service, just that constant learning experience. So, you know, and, and you know, the, the ability to also travel. So I got to go to see some of these. The, I, I worked with our Spanish colleagues. I've been out to our businesses in uh, Australia, in obviously in New Zealand. We have businesses now as well uh, across South America uh, in, in our Bupa Latam. So it's that that feeling of a true global business where, you, you, you know, when people, when you have a challenge, you could reach out to your colleagues abroad to see what they were doing. Because care is care, doesn't matter where you are globally. Uh, you know, you you continue to look and strive for improvement. So it was it was great that we were able to share burdens with our wider business partners and get some feedback and learnings from them as well. One of the things I guess particularly interesting about Bupa is the fact that organisationally you you don't have shareholders. So your primary focus um, is is your customers and yep. um, and of course your your people as well. And I'm also very conscious that um, the Bupa values are um, front and center in every decision um, the organization makes and permeates throughout the team. Um, So when you correlate that into some of the experiences with COVID-19, and I guess personally as a, a leader within the business, how have you leveraged that really strong, powerful value set to help the organization um, chart its course through COVID-19. You might have read, Andrew, our purpose is helping people live longer, healthier, happier lives. That's then supported by our values. Our values are you know, very clear with passionate, caring, open, accountable, authentic, courageous, and extraordinary. And then they're, they're supported by uh, our pillars. And the three pillars are, are quite interesting considering what we're going through. So passionate about our customers, people make the difference and strong and sustainable performance. And I think if you look to all those those three, passionate about our customers, so taking into account all of those values, we've seen those being demonstrated in abundance. You know, as I know we've spoken around previously, to work in healthcare, I think on the front line in a provision business, I think is a vocation. I think you've got to have those, you've got to be passionate, you've got to be caring, 
you've got to be courageous and clearly you've got to be extraordinary when you're dealing with um, people that potentially can be aged, they can be clinically ill um, or they, they can be vulnerable. You overlay that and then you overlay the, the COVID-19, something that's out there that we can't see, we can't smell and we can't taste. And, and you ask people to get up in the morning, you ask them to deal with all the things we're having to deal with as a, as a, as a, as, as a person around COVID-19, then going to a potentially a live COVID-19 situation and on the PPE and still provide all of those values and live those values and deliver the best care. And so, so the, the second uh, pillar of people make a difference is absolutely true. I think our business lives and breathes that. And then I think if you add those two passionate about our customers, which we are, people make a difference. And then the outcome of that, hopefully, um, post COVID-19, as we get some form of COVID free or BAU, then we'll demonstrate that our strong and sustainable performance has been met. I know one of the major areas of focus for you personally, Neil, over the last number of months is and has been making sure that all of your people are are safe uh, yeah. and, they're, and they're well. Uh, and I guess that probably manifested itself in multiple forms as we went into lockdown, as we all went through the work from home uh, experience and then as we've uh, started to reopen. Talk us through how Bupa managed and thought about each kind of one of those components, particularly as it relates to ensuring that their people were safe, secure uh, and productive. If you if you split our business into two, so you've got the provision businesses. So so clearly um, the provision businesses straight away were we had to follow the Public Health England guidance. So we made sure um, that all of the outcomes of Public Health England and they were changing daily, by the way. So so and just to give some kind of um, size and quantum of what that means to us, healthcare is one of the most regulated industries you can be in globally. Every time you've got a change in policy procedure, you have to train, you have to embed, you have to make sure everyone knows what they've got to do and where they've got to do it. So we saw, I saw some of the best outcomes of change and how quick and how flexible our business could be to adapt to delivery on the Public Health England requirements. So, you know, even though we didn't see the level of PPE and everyone's read about that in the media coming through to our business, our business had already preempted that, looked at ways and means that they could deliver on that and made sure there was no gaps between the requirements of Public Health England and what we could do for our customer, but at the same time, making sure that all of our staff were cared for. And I think on the other side of that, so, you know, I always class them as kind of the hidden heroes, the people that are taking calls from our customers on a daily basis, whether it's through our, our mental health lines or whether it's through just as a, a general inquiry from a customer. We managed to get those staff at home in a safe environment, working from home very quickly. Uh, and we communicated to them extremely well. We kept them fully versed on what we're doing as a business, how we're managing through COVID-19, all of the um, all of the support they had and that was available to them, um, how they could access that support. and through the flexibility of, of IT, they were enabled to, to carry on doing their role. So again, that brings some form of those normality, but also they can access all of the tools we have available virtually 
given that the work from home experience has um, gone so well for your team uh, and for Bupa, what's the thinking in terms of the return to work process? So I know the vast majority of your office and operational state is now open again uh, and functioning. Are you um, expecting to see people return mass uh, in September time or December or, or at some stage in 2021? No, so we've we've taken a, a very measured and calculated approach. So so soon as um, you know the government said that we could start returning staff to work, you know we took a leap forward and have looked at a way that we could have a staggered approach in return. Um, we wanted to give our staff the choice of return as well. So it, it, this is something that we've said. You know, if you're feeling that you've got some form of mental or physical well-being challenge, and you feel you'd be more comfortable in a work environment, then we're happy to open our offices up and make sure that they're safe and fit for purpose. We looked at it as a staggered approach. So we started out with a trial to make sure that all of the COVID secure requirements could be embedded. We wanted to make sure that when you overlay the actual introduction of people into those buildings, that actually there was no gaps. So we did a trial at one of our locations that then led to programmed approach of occupying our buildings, opening them slowly but surely doing them at 10% at a time and making sure we go to a ceiling where we were comfortable that we could still meet all the requirements of a COVID secure environment with social distancing, all of the other requirements, you know, face coverings in and out of work, uh, temperature testing of our staff, making sure that our buildings were were um, signed correctly so people knew how to use them, increased sanitization, all the things you'd expect to see within a building. It would give the staff the feeling that they were in a safe and managed environment. Do you think there's an opportunity on a medium to long-term basis to have a greater proportion of your office-based uh, employee base continue to work from home on a long-term basis? If you looked at our business previously, so we have obviously a huge call center staff. So originally that was very much um, um, an office-driven activity. So people would come in on a shift, they'd work in the office and they'd go home. Um, obviously went to COVID and we went into lockdown, uh, we managed to get the um, all of our call centre staff operationally, almost seamlessly, so uh, customers didn't see an impact to the services we provided them. But what all I, all I think it's done, Andrew, I think it's it's brought our timeline forward. So Bupa started our agile journey around three years ago when we started to, to develop new offices, do fit outs. You know, we were we were already going from a you know from a one to one desking ratio down to a um, seven desks for ten staff members. Yeah. You know, we were working on in agile in and out of office, so people started to work from home anyway. Um, I think all we've done with, with, with COVID is brought that timeline forward to where we had those staff members that were on uh, a desktop. They're now on a laptop, um, so they, their, their data and telephony can be done remotely from any location. And I think that was something we were already going to get to. I think we'd have got to that maybe two or three years down the line anyway. Um, but this has just brought that forward. So in answer to the question around, will we see a drop in occupancy in our buildings? I think. What we'll see is where staff members only come in to, to occupy a desk, we might see that that will stop and, and they'll rotate around coming in maybe two, maybe three days a week. But what we will see is probably then an improved and a requirement for collaboration. I mean, one, one thing we've, we've got to remember is we're still relatively young in this journey. So, you know, we've only been 16 weeks into people working at home. Yeah. You know, we will start to see the tail end of, of people's um, you know, challenges working from home as that changes. So, you know, mental and physical well-being challenges. Not everyone has an office at home. They don't have all the relevant equipment. We were very fortunate, again, to provide IT bundles. We provided, uh, provided task chairs uh, and a number of different things to our staff to make it as 
as fit for purpose as it can be, that still doesn't get away from the kind of human connection that we need. You know, people want to come in, they want to collaborate with other members of staff within their team. And the best thinking can be done when you're in, a, in an office environment as well, working alongside. And you might want support, whether that's to do the role, whether that's mental support as well, or whether that's just the physical support that an office environment can provide. Looking then to the future where your workplace model has more flexibility, so yep. providing optionality for folks in terms of uh, where they work, how they work from home, from a rem potentially a remote location and, and from the office. Will the agile program and model that you already have been developing and implementing, is that model fit for purpose in its current format or potentially would would you expect to see some changes and adaptations to it to fit this increased level of flexibility that we're likely going to see post COVID-19? I suppose the challenge is to understand what that's going to be. No one understands, no one knows yet what BAU is. Uh, I think I think we're still relatively early in, you know, we're having regional lockdowns, we're, we're still seeing a number of changes, we're still going to experience a number of anxiety from staff members that don't want to travel on public transport. So I, I, I don't think we know what BAU will be yet. If staff have got the flexibility to work at home, then we should be promoting that. But equally, when we want them to collaborate, we want to create the, the best environment for them to do that as well. So our agile spaces, we're always driven around that. They're always driven around making sure that when they come into a into one of our offices, you know, whether it's the kind of heating, lighting, the layout, that's the best it will be to suit the operational model via all the teams that are going to work in that, that building. But equally, we have a lot of, you know, collaboration points, breakout points, etc., to make sure that it's also a, an environment that drives the best in people. So I think we've got we've got to, to see what happens with COVID. You know, we've got to see, will a, vacu va a vaccination come around at Christmas? If a vaccination comes at Christmas, that could be a game changer because suddenly you've got people that feel comfortable that they can use public transport. We, we won't see that yet, but I, I do believe there will be a bounce back once the vaccination comes in and people start to experience a, a level of normality and all those things that we couldn't do, do during COVID, we will probably pine to want to do them. I think we'll see that. And and thinking then, Neil, about the, the implications of uh, new and different ways of working post-COVID, uh, enhanced flexibility, agile working, etc. What would you expect the uh, the impact on the Bupa culture to be? Yeah, I, I think we'll, it'll, we'll come out of this stronger than we went into it, I think. I think, you know, our core values um, absolutely are supporting our business as long, along with the pillars that we keep driving our people at the forefront of everything we do. So I think coming out of this, making sure the environments they come back to support those values even further. So whether that's a, a change in layout, whether it's more collaboration space and less desking, we will change and flex as we need to, to make sure that we provide the best spaces to suit even our new operational models, whatever they look and feel like post-COVID. What one thing that I've always been very proud around with Booper is our ability to change, recognise where we need change and the ability to do it. One of the, the things we've seen with COVID is our speed of change. We've done some things at a phenomenal rate for over a, such a wide piece with such a volume of staff and, and it's not impacted our customer. What it's dri driven is some innovation, some new thinking, some things that we can take forward. But ultimately, our, our values will support all of our ongoing kind of operational models. Final question, Neil, if you're if you're to look back over the last three or four months through the COVID-19 experience, so um, I think we, we've all had um, those moments and those days and those experiences, some positive and negative, but we've all, all had 
is where we've just noticed those kind of unique human or people-oriented events that uh, have inspired us and excited us and so the the most positive uh, side of of human human nature if you were to pick uh, one or two of those experiences or examples for you that you know just just give you that that feeling that humankind is uh, is in the right direction what what would those one or two one or two experiences be? I, I think we're we could quote hundreds if not thousands of them Andrew I mean we're a provision business and you know we have carers that go in every day that that to me I you know if you've ever been in a care home um, and, and had that that experience personally it's a tough environment to be in because you know it, your your family member is generally um, as at an age where care is then required. The staff that that take that as a vocation do a phenomenal job, you know. And and whether it's it's in a care home, whether it's in a hospital, you see these people. They're working long shifts, and they're they're generally their demeanour, their personalities, they're always tend to be happy, upbeat, there to provide you with the best care possible. So so to see that. And then also overlay a pandemic and to see them do it through that pandemic. And, you, you know, you're seeing on the media some of the most phenomenal stories. People getting up every morning, going to work and doing that at the same time as living themselves through the pandemic, doing it wearing PPE in ridiculous, you know, hot temperatures, running around, wearing face coverings for kind of 12, 14 hour days. I think that's just phenomenal. And I think, you know, whether it's in our own business or whether it's in the NHS, yeah. Um, and we've seen some of, you know, some fantastic things. So we, we run a volunteer service. So um, we had over 300 plus staff members that volunteered to go and work in our care homes in their own time, uh, out of hours in their own time, which, again, it just shows that, you know, there is that kind of kindness out there, that feeling, that, that wartime mentality where people will rally together during such times. And I think we've kept that. And I think that that wartime mentality or it's always been a backbone to our kind of business if you look at our core values it sits there we we have that ability to rally around with each other so where you know all of the the other geographies that we work in you know it started in other geographies before it kind of really hit the uk we already saw that assistance that was going into those other geographies from us to say you know we hope you're okay just simple emails i got from our colleagues in spain and australia to say you know hope you're well hope your family's well hope you're safe i think um that really does typify what our business is about. You know, we're there to provide care for our customers and I think we do it in a fantastic way. And I say the pandemic has been a horrendous thing to go through, but it's shown the absolute best in what we can provide to our customers. Neil, it's been a pleasure to spend time with you uh, this morning and uh, we really appreciate uh, you, you sharing your thoughts and experiences. It's an inspiring story, by the way, and delighted we had the opportunity to uh, to, to share it. So thanks again, and uh, over and out from London this morning. We hope you enjoyed the latest Colliers UK podcast. You can find details for our next episode by following at Colliers UK on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. See you next time. Thank you.